Welcome back to another edition of Talk in Troy. Today is Monday, November 16th. I'm Nathan Ackerman, an associate managing editor with, of course, an emphasis on sports here at the Daily Trojan. And I'm joined today by Taylor Mills and David Ramirez, co-sports editors at the DT. David and Taylor, how are both of you? Well, well, we're here. Final season, football season. It is final season. Football season, final season. It's a very stressful time, and the USC Trojan football team is not helping us ease that stress in any way, shape, or form. The Trojans are 2-0, and but the road there has been a little bit rocky. They obviously had a miraculous comeback win against Arizona State in Week 1, where they won by one singular point. And then they came back with a really sloppy, um, way closer than it probably should have been, four-point also comeback victory against the Arizona Wildcats in Tucson. And I'm not sure what to make of these first two games. I'm not sure what to make of this season so far. I'm going to open the floor to you two. What do, what do you guys think about this this team, and what are your main takeaways from the first two games? Well, first of all, you know, like, calling this a season is still feels weird to me. You know, I, I like, with just seven games, like, I just don't think that's possible to really call it that. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, going first into the ASU game, you know, we could use the excuse of, like, all right, they're just, you know, shaking the rest off. You know, this is their first season or first season game after, you know, a really long hiatus. You know, this could just be uh, first game jitters. This could just be without a crowd. But, I mean, after that Arizona game, you have to question, like, is it actually the team itself? And, um mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing for me was the penalties, more specifically the penalties in the red zone that were very problematic for me. And, and um, it was interesting for me to see Coach Clay Helton after the game give so much credit to Graham Harrell, even though it just seemed as if like his offense was barely surviving. Um, you know, we have a talented uh, quarterback in Slovis, but um, at the end of the day, we have to, you know, question, like, can it just be up to him to drive us down the field? And also, too, I think we got to there's a lot of questions with the defense. I think the Orlando promise has been, um, you know, under delivered so far. But, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that still it could have just been first game nerves. It could have just been the first road game nerves um, going into our game with Utah. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, this type of game and this type of play is unsustainable, um, especially going into our later season. And then, you know, ultimately, I've always said we're playing for Oregon. Um, that's what we have our sights on. And that's, you know, the, the level of play that we should be expecting. And right now we're just not reaching that. Um, I, I think I'm similar to both of you. Um, I'm not really sure what to make of this team so far. Um, I think a lot of the times we tend to put too much thought into like, specifics of the game like yes this team is one deflected touchdown and one dropped interception away from being 0-2 but um, this sport is a lot of like fine margins and a lot of these games do come down to one or two plays either way so I don't think we can criticize them too much for winning ugly at the end of the day they are 2-0 but I think we should be realistic about like where we where they're at before before we do get excited because yeah the the product on the field definitely does not um reflect uh, the scoreline sometimes and I get a lot of like 2016 Sam Darnold like Rose Bowl team vibes from this team like very similar like talented roster Um, every week it's going to be like spin the wheel it's going to be something penalties drop passes turnovers something that's going to make USC like be in the game way longer than they should be play down to their competition and then the last four to six minutes of the game exceptional quarterback play and a couple lucky plays here or there and all of a sudden they pull out the win 
Um, so, yeah, um, I'm not complaining. Uh, I think exceptional quarterback play can often mask a lot of holes on the roster, and it can win you a lot of games. But uh, I just think it's a very, very risky game to play. And if you have a week where you play sloppy and those one or two plays don't go your way, you're looking at a loss. Yeah, I, I agree 1,000%. And, Taylor, I think you you touched on this a bit. The first game, I kind of gave USC a pass because, as you said, it was their first game um, after a really awkward stop-and-start offseason, and they were playing against a quality opponent. Um, but in the second game, neither of those applied. In fact, it was Arizona's first game of the season after their you know a, a original Week 1 matchup was canceled due to COVID. Um, and Arizona is not a good football team. I mean, they're just not. So... That that's that's one thing that's definitely concerning for me. It's like now we're a third we're a third of the way through the regular season, and it's like at what point do we have to accept the fact that this might be the actual SC? But I want to ask you two both about that first game because you two were both at that game. I was not. I watched the game from home. That you two were at the press box, and I want to ask what that atmosphere was was like. I mean, I'm you know you guys have both been to. Um, USC football games in the past and you know obviously the stadium was empty you were in a socially distanced press box and I'm, I'm curious what that what that experience was like did it feel like a real college football game uh it really wasn't you know like, like a college football game if anything <laughs> it was really like a simulation glitch and that like they played in the stadium I don't know if people know this actually not on just the television but they actually played uh fake crowd noises over the loudspeakers um, they still had the announcers, you know, doing the, the normal, uh, you know, announcements of, of, of play calls and of, you know, referee calls over the stadium as well. But yeah, no, it, it didn't feel normal in any sense. And, you know, at least there was that feeling of community with, uh, um, among sports journalists in the press box. Um, it was kind of nice having that energy of people who were focused on the same thing in the same room. Um, it's crazy. I almost like I was sitting there and I was like, this is what, you know, I'm missing in, in my college campus of people um, being engaged on one thing together. Um, but yeah, I, I'm actually really like excited to go back to that press box. I, I'm, I'm a little nervous that that's not going to happen given the recent spike in cases. But um, yeah, the sports journalism world in COVID is definitely, you know, removed from the game, but yet like so very much more in it in almost a way because like, Without the stimulation of a crowd, we have no other choice but to pay attention what's on to what's happening on the game, uh, on the field, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's it's crazy to think that, you know, a year later, I used you know I remember being so excited to be a part of the fan base there, but now like, you know, the, I am the only fan base in the press box that can actually you know cheer. So yeah, it was it was definitely an experience. Yeah, I think um, at first, like when they were doing the uh, like the national anthem and there's like a, a flyover and it's like dead silent, that's when there's moments like that where you thought it was like really weird. But honestly, once the game got started and like in the press box, everyone got into the groove and like we were focused on the game, it honestly, it, it felt like a normal game. Um, the gameplay on the product on the field wasn't too different. So I guess in that sense, it wasn't different. But yeah, like especially like late in the game, USC comes back from two touchdowns, game winning touchdown in the last minute and is dead silent. Like, stuff like that, you're just like, wow, like, this is really, really weird. But, I mean, yeah, in terms of the product on the field and, like, covering the game, it, it did feel somewhat normal. Yeah, I thought I thought the product, the, the quality of play itself was, I mean, it obviously the game wasn't great, but I didn't think that the lack of fans or the lack of a regular atmosphere was the difference maker there. And one of the products on the field that was not, 
um, quite up to his usual standards was Keaton Slovis. And this has just been a mystery to me because Keaton Slovis has a 71.4% completion percentage this year. He's thrown for 353 yards per game, and he has a 3-to-1 touchdown-to-interception ratio. However, he just hasn't looked quite like himself, and he's, you know, he's had a lot of bad misses. He's overthrown, underthrown some receivers um, pretty much all game each of the first two games except for like the last two drives of each. Um, it doesn't, his spirals just aren't there. Like every pass is super wobbly and I don't really know what's up with that. People are, 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 you know, thinking it might be a hand injury, something like that. And I'm not going to try to pretend I know what's going on with Keaton Slovis' hand, but certainly, um, certainly cause for, for concern and cause for, for, for questioning. So, I mean, he's still looks good. Like if this is a bad Keaton Slovis, like USC has a really good problem on its hands because he's only he only figures to get better from here, and it's not like he's been bad so far. But what what do you two think is wrong with Keaton Slovis, and are you confident that he's going to turn this around? Because as I said, the stats are slightly deceiving. I don't know too. It's, it's crazy. Like he gets down the field, he does he gets the job done. Is it pretty? No. Um, and I, I remember too watching, you know, like his his throws aren't as clean as they were. They um, almost have a, you know, a, a sort of like a hesitancy towards it. And um, I'm not sure why. I mean, like he can get out of the pocket just fine. Um, I think he has the maturity now to to execute plays. But yeah, I, I don't know what what's going on with the kid. Um, I think that you know, like he has no reason to to doubt his receiving line. It is one of the best and not even just the Pac-12, but probably the country. And um, I think he just has to have security either within his own throwing skill or in his, you know, receivers for them to actually, you know, carry through on the play. It's that's really a big question mark. And I don't know, maybe it is just sports journalist um, making something out of nothing. Uh, you know, in the press conference after Arizona, he, you know, repeatedly denied that he was feeling you know, fine, if, if anything, great. Um, and so, you know, I think Utah will be the game where we'll like, you know, we'll definitely see, all right, something's up. But yeah, that's a, that's a question mark that maybe, you know, people should keep in their mind going into the Utah game. Um, I think I'm going to err on the side of maybe too much speculation. Um, on our part, I would say, uh, yeah, he has still looked really good. Um, I think there's going to be an, always going to be an element of regression to the mean. He had a really, really good freshman year. Um, naturally, teams are going to look at tape. They're going to see what looks good, what looks like work against you. There's been a lot more teams just like kind of sitting, dropping eight, and kind of letting him figure it out. There's been a lot of like mixed looks where they disguise pressure. There's a lot of things that he didn't see last year that like I think are tough for a young quarterback. So like I, I understand that to an extent. Um, yeah, things have looked off um, in certain moments. Arm strength has looked a little weird. He's looked a little hesitant on a certain throws to pull the trigger. But um, I think, yeah, I think we should give him the benefit of the doubt. He's still performing at a pretty high rate, can't expect perfection. And, um, yeah, I think we should use these next few games as definitely a way to, to judge where he's at. Yeah, so for me, I think pretty much all of this starts at the offensive line. And Elijah Vera Tucker's been great over at left tackle, but it just seems like Slovis hasn't had any time to get comfortable in the first place. And the offensive line is where the whole offense depends on like they can't 
they haven't established the run game at all, which is perplexing to me because I think the running backs individually, they're fine. I mean, Stephen Carr looks great this year. Uh, Vimala Payai has looked good. Marquis Step is a bulldozer. Um, and I just don't know why they don't use the running game at all. Um, so when they don't do that, teams can afford to drop eight. It's just sort of this like feedback loop of, like you said, the teams know that the pass is coming. They know how to defend against it because the play calling is just super unimaginative at this point. I think I think Graham Graham Harrell is great, um, but I think he needs to get a little bit more creative with this with this offense and just utilize the running game more because it's so important. It 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 opens up the entire rest of the of the of the offense. But until then, uh, and and until the offensive line can buy Keaton some time in the pocket, it might be uncomfortable for him and. I think the offensive line figures it out at some point because I think individually they're a talented group, but we just we just need to see more out of them. I think that's a good point, bringing up that the offense has looked out of sync, so it's important to judge them as a whole. But I, I'm really interested in just bringing this up really quick. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if Clay's been asked about it. I'm not sure what Graham Harrell's philosophy is on this. Going under center is that just is it not a thing whatsoever? Is it, what, what's the do you have you guys heard anything on that? What's your guys' theory on that? Yeah, so I think I think Helton was asked about that in his Sunday press press conference, and he said it's just not us right now. And basically, the way people took that was that essentially what that means is that converting on third and fourth down is just not us right now because they're doing the same third and one, fourth and two, fourth and one play every single time. It's that little misdirection handoff. They try to you know put like Malapai to the left side or step to the left side, and it just doesn't work. Even with AVT over there on the left and. That's a play that just out of the shotgun doesn't work as well. And I don't know why they keep on doing that. I think the running backs and Keaton, they're they're equipped to work in another formation. And I just think that when you give them the same look over and over and over, it just doesn't work. And I don't know why that is. I mean, it's not that, is it that difficult to get a snap off when you're, you know, right behind the, like it, that, that's been really confusing to me. And I don't know why, because... Clay, Clay Helton this year has some, I don't know what he found in the offseason, but he's had this new aggressiveness, where, whereas, whereas last year he pretty much never went for it on fourth down. And this year he's done it like 10 times. And only two or three of those times have been times when he had no other choice, meaning uh, the Arizona State game when they were down late and he had to go for it. But if you're going to do that, I think he's been a little over aggressive at some points, like when they just need to take points, you know, when they're in the red zone and you know, whether it's they need to get some momentum back, they need to get within one score, they need to tie it up, whatever. Um, I think they're being a little over aggressive there. But if they're going to do that, you you have to s- switch it up somehow. And what they're doing now just isn't working, clearly. All right, I want to wrap. We are running a little bit long on time, so I want to get to wrapping this up. But I want to ask you both about your Team MVPs so far, it seems like the two of you have some conflicting opinions. Well, I'll go first. Um, I mean, straight off the catch from a tip in the ASU game, um, I knew Drake London was going to be one to watch this season. Um, I think there was a lot of hype around him coming into his sophomore season, but already he's shown what he's capable of. He has 125 reception yards already, um, and he already has a touchdown under his belt. Um, in that first ASU game. So I think, you know, 
he's going to be the one that Keaton's going to look to later, um, you know, especially as we get into um, Utah into the later half of the season. And hopefully, I mean, like you guys are talking about um, the rushing game. Yeah, like I think that's going to be important. But you know what, like he always is going to have number, number 15 in the field to look out for. So yeah, London's for sure my MVP so far. I think Drake London has been tremendous. I just think with skill position players, especially at USC, you're very deep at those positions. So it's very easy to replace them. And I think if one of them were to go down, such as a Drake London or Amon Ra, you can kind of work around it. Um, I, my pick, I should probably, I buried the lead so hard here, but I'm picking Elijah Vera Tucker. Um, I think no matter how great your quarterback is, no matter how good your running game, pass game, like none of it works if you can't protect the quarterback's blind side. Like we've seen tremendous quarterbacks struggle with confidence in their throws, struggle with protection if, if, they're, if they're not comfortable in the pocket. Pro Football Focus has, I think through two games, he has 113 pass block attempts and he's allowed zero quarterback pressures. Um, he was Pro Football Focus' highest rated pass blocker last week uh, throughout the country. Uh, yeah, I think the left tackle position is probably the second most valuable position on offense outside of the quarterback. And I think he's really, 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 really valuable to the USC offense. I think without Elijah Vera Tucker, USC could very well be 0-2. Rebuttal, Taylor? I mean, he's not wrong. If you look at the stats um, from both games, how many sacks did, were on Keaton? Like, I think zero. I literally think zero. Um, so, yeah, ABC is definitely – it's undeniable that he's, like, probably the asset of the offense. Um, but, I mean, yeah. Yeah, all right. I'll give you that. ABC, oh. I mean, I'll, like <laughs> – um, I mean, does he put on as much to show as London? Maybe not, but – Hey, he's still pretty valuable. I'm going to go with Drake Jackson, actually, because I think we've, we've talked a lot about USC's offensive line. I think the defensive line also has not looked great at times this season. And frankly, I'm not too worried about it because Drake Jackson and Marlon Tui-Pelotu have looked awesome this season. And Brandon Peely and Caleb Tremblay, two other starters, were out against Arizona. And I think Peely missed the Arizona State game as well. I think Tremblay, Tremblay played that game, but uh, yeah. So, but Drake, Drake Jackson to me has been the guy that's been somewhat holding the defensive line together. I know Marlon won um, Pac-12 defensive lineman of the week in week one. And then in week, week two, he played well again, but Drake Jackson had, I think, five tackles, two sacks, including one huge sack when um, Arizona was trying to make some last-minute desperation drive with like 25 seconds to go in the fourth quarter when USC had the lead. And that was honestly at a point where I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. I could totally see them pulling this off. Um, Drake, I think, sacked Grant Gannell for like 10 yards, and that was pretty much the end of that. But maybe I'll give those two guys co-MVPs because without them, I think the defensive line would just look so much worse right now. And all the pressure that they've been able to get on the QBs that they've played to this point have basically been because of those two two guys. And the defensive line certainly needs to do a better job of finishing plays behind the line of scrimmage because they've had, you know, several times where they can sack the guy or they can, you know, bring down running backs for losses of three to four yards and then they end up picking seven or eight or nine or ten. Um, so that definitely can't happen, but I honestly don't know where this defensive line would be without Marlon and Drake. So I'll give them co-MVPs with Drake, London, and Elijah Vera Tucker close behind in no particular order. Let's move on to, I think, what is going to be another intriguing matchup for the Trojans. 
They go to Utah, pending Utah manages to get its coronavirus outbreak under control, which is a big if the Pac-12 has been sort of a mess this season. Um, But assuming that that game happens, what do you guys think happens? Because I could see it going either, either way. I think USC is going to look better than it has the first two weeks, especially last week, because I do think it plays down to its opponents, and I think Utah is a quality team. But I'm honestly at the point where I'm done predicting anything about the Trojans. Yeah, I don't think you can predict anything in this year anymore. Um, (laughs) But yeah, okay, number one, like, let's just hope that it happens, that Utah can... um, you know, be able to play. But uh, wasn't there an issue, too, with the amount of scholarship players that they had? Um, You know, like their roster is already cut pretty thin. Um, So, yeah, I I, I mean, it should be, again, one of those things where it should be like, you know, just another check done, added to the list, I guess. But, you know, like, even though they haven't had their home, home opener yet, that isn't an excuse for the Trojans to come in, you know, easy minded or that this is going to be, you know, an, uh, you know, a guaranteed win because it was the same thing with Arizona and Arizona was supposed to be the worst team in Pac-12. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, I can predict a Trojan win, but will I predict that it's going to be a pretty one or it's going to be an efficient one? No, I think, you know, this will be the, the game that basically decides whether the Trojans can get it together to win the Pac-12 title um, or if they are just going to basically set themselves up to, I guess, cruise to a defeat by Oregon. I think Utah was really good last year. I think they lost a lot of very important players to that roster last year. They lost their quarterback, Tyler Huntley, uh, running back, Zach Moss, uh, safety, I think Terrell Burgess, a few corners, a defensive end. The point is that that roster is depleted compared to what it was last year. I do think... And even playing field, this game might be a little bit closer. But yeah, given the fact that Utah has not played a game yet, USC has played two, I think that'll definitely play in their favor. I think USC, if they're able to do what they want to do, which is sit back and throw the ball, I think they'll have a lot of success. But if Utah can kind of disrupt that with, I don't know, through brushing the passer, forcing USC to kind of run the ball, I think the game could be a lot closer. But I don't think that will happen. I think USC will be able to pass the ball comfortably, and I think they will win. I'm not going to give a prediction as for margin because, yeah, like as Taylor said, this team is <laughs> a crapshoot when it comes to that stuff. So I'll just say USC win, no margin. Yeah, I know I said I'm done predicting, but I feel like that's kind of a cop-out. So I'm going to go Trojans by three, but I also would not be shocked if it's Utes by like 14, and I would not be shocked if neither team wins because neither team plays. So we're going to have to wait and see about all of that. Um, I'm supposed to go to Utah for that game. I hope that can happen Um, but who knows at this point, I'll probably find out on like Friday night that the game was canceled. So that'll be a lot of fun. That's going to do it for this edition of talking Troy. Thank you to everybody for tuning in. Uh, we will be back hopefully next week, maybe the week after at some point, not quite sure our plan yet, but we will be back at some point with more analysis about USC football. And I think basketball season starting soon. So we might have a little bit of that to talk about as well until then stay safe, wear a mask and enjoy this roller coaster of a season that is USC football.